Well, hey, Andre, it's Kurt. We're going to start our first call. How's it going, brother? Doing good. How you doing? Doing great, man. I'll really, hey, I'm uh, excited to see where the Lord takes these calls, um, just to kind of give whoever listens to this first call an idea. Andre and I have been having phone calls for the last year to two years or maybe more to where we just discussed the Word of God and different events and we had the idea that it might just be interesting for people to listen in. Anything you want to say about that, Andre? Yeah, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. And these calls have been a blessing to us. And we we felt that it'd be nice for for you, whoever wants to listen, to eavesdrop on a conversation. And uh, we kind of let this thing mushroom and, and see where God wants to take it. That's it. Well, at this point, we don't have an agenda. We're just going to have conversations. You guys can listen in if you choose to. And, you know, feel free to, if there's a way we can find for you guys to leave feedback, then we'll be happy to listen to that feedback. And we'll just kind of go with the flow. I think this Absolutely. week, though, Andre and I, we're going to talk about, you know, the passing of a great general of the faith. You know, uh, Billy Graham, he passed away this this week. And uh, I believe that it kind of marked the beginning of something in the spirit. Hmm. And I know that you had told me that you had had a dream just before it happened that he had passed away. And then the next morning you woke up and finding out that he had died. It's pretty... um. It's pretty intense because, and so my original thought was that I had this dream the day, actually the night before uh, he passed, I had the dream, like you said, and in the dream, it wasn't a real vivid dream to where I could see, you know, his face and and um, that something had happened, but I woke up with an awareness that he had passed, and then I said, ah, it's just a dream, because the first thing I did was to look at my phone and Google it just to see if anything had happened. And sure enough, he was still alive. So I said, oh, everything is fine. The next day he passed. There we are. It's amazing how God kind of sometimes will prepare us for something. And I remember when you told me that, I shared with you that I felt like, you know, because you told me, you said, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And, and I told you that I think that it had something to do with, you know, the Holy Spirit announcing that he was about to release the evangelistic spirit upon the believers, the body of Christ, so that they could fulfill yeah. the end-time harvest. Yeah. And another thing that I've, I've – I've been spending some time in prayer this week and really kind of seeking the Lord, Andre. And I, I don't know about you, but I've kind of had a feeling that there's something – in the air, like you could reach out and begin to receive a portion of the anointing that the Lord has uh, for evangelism right now. And if you're willing Absolutely. to respond, he is going to be willing to give it out freely. That's it. That's it. Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, was I was say, you know, kind of like I, I don't believe it's an idle thing. It's not something that we can be passive about. Hmm. 
You know, I, I don't believe it's something that we just say, okay, God, I want this thing. I, I receive this. Give me more. Give me more. Touch me. And it's going to be this EBGB, super good feeling, fall on the floor, and then you, you feel great about yourself the rest of your life. I believe it's something that it has to have action associated with it. That's good. That's good. Because action, faith without action is dead. So why would he waste giving you or me or anyone else a portion of anointing that's going to help us bring in the end-time harvest if we're not going to actually take action and participate? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we've got. I to, think that goes we've back. To, go ahead. That guy. Yeah, the word calls us co-laborers. You know, and it, it's it's a privilege that God has allowed us to work with Him on this thing. I mean, if, if God wanted to, He could He can do whatever He wants. He could say, you know what, I'm going to give everybody a dream that's not saved, everybody a vision who's not saved. They're going to hear who I am and they're going to accept me. But no, He's chosen to do it through the foolishness of preaching, is what the Word says. And He's allowed us go. to partner with Him. Allow us to partner with him to fill this end time goal, and it's like it's a privilege, it's an honor. You know, it's it's interesting. I was listening to this thing this morning, and they were talking about Peter, that when you know Jesus came back after he was resurrected, he appeared again with his disciples, and he told Peter, he said, "Do you love me?" And Peter says, in the Greek, he turns back and he says, "Lord, I like you." You know, he says, "Feed my sheep." <laughs> exactly. And he turns around again, he says, do you love me? And, he, and Peter says, I like you, you know. And he says, well, you know, feed my lambs. And he says again the third time, do you love me? And then he was grieved and he says, yes, Lord, you know I do. And he says, well, feed my sheep. And so, but the thing so that me that was so Let me interrupt you for a quick second. Now, I want you to finish your thought. But isn't okay. it interesting, it's very interesting that in the English language we translate it, of course, Lord, I love you. Yeah, Big because <laughs> if you do go back to the Greek, you know, you go back to the original text, and you're right. It says, "Of course, I like you." It doesn't say mm. love. It says like it, or that I'm kindred to you. It doesn't say mm. love. You know, it doesn't say I adore you. It doesn't say whatever. He couldn't even bring himself to say that he had a deep connection at that point. It was more of a friendship thing. Yeah. That's that's a good great point great point. That, that's that's a continue because I just wanted to highlight that because you're you're hitting it, but I, I want to make sure that anyone that's listening to us they get the fact that it, it, in the original text it does say those first two times that Peter could not even respond in like to Christ. Okay, that's that's a great point. Great point. Well. It, the, the the point behind that and where I was going with it as well was that if you look at it, Jesus' last words when he's ascended are going to all the world and preach the gospel, every creature, right? And if you see what's yes. pressing on his heart, you're saying these are some of the last words he ever speaks while he's on the face of the earth. It's the words that he speaks to Peter telling him, feed my, my sheep, feed my lambs. We see where the heart of God is, and we see where, where the heart of God is it's really at a, it comes to a point when he's speaking these last words on earth. And it's all about reaching the harvest. 
He says, you know, you think there's three months until harvest. No, look up right now. The fields are white. They're ready to be harvested right now. You know, it's interesting that you're talking about that the fields are ready for harvest. You know, Billy Graham was 99 years old when he passed away. 99. The word talks about how Jesus leaves the 99 sheep and goes after the one sheep that went astray. So just before Billy Graham could have passed into his 100th year, he passes away. It's almost like God was making a prophetic declaration that he's ready to go after that one, those that are astray. That the time is ready. I don't believe uh, it's an accident that it was 99 years old when he passed away. That's an interesting observation, man. Real interesting observation on that one. So, good stuff. It's good stuff. You know, what it comes down to is, and, and I'm guilty of this, I'm guilty of not being proactive in sharing my faith. And, Honestly, out of all this time, you and I have both been, um, we've both saved for a number of years now. I would say probably one of the most difficult things is sharing your faith, just in general, and being a believer. Uh, And especially in this climate in which we live right now, where it's not only not in vogue, it's not cool, but it's the culture is becoming more and more antichrist. And so if we You're speak right out, we're gonna we're gonna come like, from opposition, and it's like you put a you label know, on yourself. Go ahead. I say it's like you put a label on yourself. Yes. And as that label, it's like you're a target. Like you're saying, you 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 just open yourself up, which kind of intensifies the rejection. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because because of the fact that you put yourself so out there, and it's such, like you said, an anti-Christ environment, even though people yeah. don't want to say it's anti-Christ, it is an anti-Christ spirit that is kind of forefronting this thing. And as a Christian, we have to fight the the feeling of rejection or the spirit of rejection and not allow ourselves to be ashamed of the Lord. Because think about it. The Lord says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Wow. He says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I mean, maybe the cliche, and I hate to call it a cliche, but when you go into a church and they say, well, it says in the word, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You need to come up and stand in front of the church and confess that you're a Christian right now. That's not exactly what the word says. It doesn't even say you have to pray. It says, number one, you have to believe in your heart and then confess him with your mouth, and then you'll be saved. So the, the prayer, it's good because it helps you with the confessing of, the, you know, of Christ as, as Jesus, excuse me, as, as God, you know, I need to clarify that because not everybody understands when you talk about Christ that he is the son of God, which makes him equal to God. Um, Absolutely. But at the same time, you have to believe in your heart 
truly believe in your heart. It can't just be lip service. And if the two don't go hand in hand, you're not saved. It has to be both. Now, the public confession, I believe that's when when people ask you, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? I believe it's not being ashamed of him. Maybe you should. I mean, I do think it's good to publicly confess that you're a believer in the assembly, but I think it's even more so in the public eye. Because if, like when the Christians would stand before the Romans or the Jews back in the beginning, and they would be persecuted, if they would deny Christ just to save their life. Yes. You see what I'm saying? They were denying him. And the thing, so the thing is, is that, you know, when, when you look at our culture, we don't live in a culture to where it's going to be, as of right now, there's not out-and-out out persecution of Christians. It's not on the same level. No. It's not a physical persecution as you find in North Korea or communist Russia at that time and these other places. Right, in our part of the world. You're right. Yeah. Well, what we, we're going to come across is being ostracized, people not wanting to associate with us, um, not being Feelings of shame. in the in crowd. Yeah, and it's trying to shame try to get you to shut your mouth. That's really what, what the enemy's goal is. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, in this culture where being cool is everything, um, you know, we can get caught up in that. that. You're so right on. I mean, especially with this whole attitude that we all have to keep up with the Joneses. We have to have the house. We have to have the car. We've got to have the look. Now, not everybody has to have the house, but they might want the car. Or they may not care about the house and the car, but they may want the clothes. You know, we all have this thing, this persona that we want to project to others. You know, some of us get caught up in exercising. Some of us get caught up in the way we speak. You know, there's so many different things that can get you caught up in the way you appear to others, but it can be a false facade. Yeah. It's covering stuff up. I mean – in reality, there's only one thing that matters, and that is our eternal resting place. I mean, are we going to die, or are we going to live eternally with the Lord? You know, and myself, I choose to live with God. I choose that the very end of my life on this earth will not be my end, but it will continue on with him. And I don't allow my That's higher great. education to tell me that, God does not exist because there's too much evidence that says it does. And, I, and I've, I don't know about you, but I've even seen on YouTube where some people are trying to claim some other documents that have been found or take precedent because they're older. But the problem is, is there's not enough evidence that those documents are even valid. I mean, you've got one document versus, you know, hundreds of dead – I mean, all these different Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff that have been found over the years that have been authenticated and proven to be authentic. You know, and then someone tries to you, say, you well, this said, other one's... Go ahead. Yeah. No, you said something else so powerful and talking about the fact that there's so much evidence and that it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty obvious. But we don't have to go to the manuscripts, in which there are thousands of them. Uh, we don't have to go to... Um, you know, proving if the Pauline letters were authentic and 
we don't have to go to that. The, the Bible says that creation itself shouts to the glory of God. It, it, it proclaims the glory of God. You can look up. There's not a place on the face of the earth that you don't look up and see the sun and say, my goodness, there's got to be a creator. And the thing That's is, right. is that man, what, what man does is, in an effort to suppress his very conscience, right, in an effort to yeah. suppress his conscience, he will make up whatever and go to to come up with any type of nonsense in an effort to suppress his conscience. He will come up with a story that says we come from monkeys in an effort to not be accountable to an almighty God. That's the point behind it. And, and, you know, it's like, it's obvious. That's what the Bible says. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. You, You have to be a fool to really say, no, I didn't come from anything else. It's the nature, what we see in more and more as science is uncovering, the complexity if you go out into the outer space or the complexity if you go down and look into the atom. It's incredible, and you see the handiwork of God everywhere you look. So really, oh, it's an effort sure. to say, I come from nowhere because I don't want to be accountable. But regardless, the con- oh. their own conscience is screaming at there's a God. Thank you so much for joining Kingdom Talk today. Andre and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. We never want to end our broadcast, however, without the opportunity for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, that you will be saved. So friends, we have a prayer here to help guide you on your way. And if you'd like to pray it, just repeat after me. Lord, I confess that Jesus is my Savior that he is your son and that you raised him from the dead. I turn away from sin and I ask you, God, just to fill me fresh in you with your Holy Spirit. My friends, if you have prayed that prayer with us today, you are saved. You can mark that on your calendar. Don't let the enemy tell you that this did not happen. Begin to plug yourself in to a local body and to a church so that you can be taught and grown in the things of God. We hope to catch you at the next conversation, and thanks again for joining us today.